Hi, everyone. Welcome back to The Prompt. I'm Samutha. I'm here with Krista, and we have a special guest today, Sarah Pion. Sarah, welcome to The Prompt. Sarah has spent uh, the majority of her career working throughout marketing, conversion rate optimization, organic paid media, SEO, and in general, the digital user experience. She's worked for companies like Drift and Alice and other marketing technology companies, and now she's made the switch to marketing towards an audience that's new to her, dentists, which we are going to find out all about today. So Sarah, welcome to The Prompt. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yes, of course. of course. Of course. So excited to talk. My first question is, I'm like super curious to hear what you're doing now and how you kind of pivoted audiences uh, like that. Yeah. I was in Mar MarTech, marketing technology for the first like half-ish, more, more than half of my career. And it was so fun because I was learning how to do my job like from the company, but also from our customers. And early on in my career, that was like incredibly invaluable uh, because I started in technical support. I didn't start in marketing. So I like started my career understanding how marketers use technology. So I, I feel like I just really lucked out wanting to have a career in marketing anyway. And then like starting my career, learning everything there was to know about like how they do their job and why and what tools are incorporated and like how they all work together. Um, and the majority of that focus was around websites. Um, and marketing technology is really cool um, and everyone really knows each other and it's a really tight-knit community and that's awesome. Uh, but it started to feel almost like an echo chamber. Uh, and so I kind of wanted to see what it was like and test myself a little bit to see, am I a good marketer because I'm speaking to my peers and I like understand them? Or am I like an actual good marketer <laughs> and can like flex these muscles and, and see if I can engage with an audience that I am so unlike, uh, which is medical professionals dentists and we're not just like um we're not a software tool at dandy we're like a dental lab plus software so like i have to know oh. about teeth <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's wild that's wild yeah. has it it's, been like has it that been a hard mindset shift to make uh yeah so for context like there's always someone to pick up the phone uh, when you like sell into a dental office, they always have office managers. They're always in office. So like that switch of going from the messaging of like, we're all remote and we're all working from wherever. And, you know, it's hard to get a hold of people. It's like, that's not, that's not actually the problem anymore. And it's a very non-technical audience. Uh, office managers will print out our marketing emails and our outbound oh, emails wow. and put them on the desks <laughs> of the doctors. Uh, and so it really forced me to go back to like pure fundamentals. We are in a rather blue ocean type of environment where like no dental lab has gotten venture backed. Uh, and mm. so no one has done this before. So from like an organic perspective, we're defining the kinds of content that's written in this industry. Um, there are like, there are companies that we kind of take inspiration from, but it's like very non-technical, not totally sexy in a way where it's not, you know, the latest and greatest technology. People are talking about a material that has been used in dentistry since the 2000s. And that's like, like literally <laughs> the year 2000. And everyone's like, this is a crazy new material in <laughs> dentists. Like it's been 23 years. So like, that's the pace of the industry, um, which wow. really for forces us to like, stick to what marketing was created to do, which is like educate the market and help and not, you know, have the flashiest activations, but instead like focus on helping and educating first. And that's yeah. been 
kind of refreshing, which has been nice. I love so much of what you said, Sarah, starting all the way back from sometimes working in marketing technology, talking to other B2B marketers feels like an echo chamber. And honestly, Chris and I talk about this all the time where it's like, what do people outside of this bubble have to say about AI? Or a lot of the themes we hear in tech about like you're being left behind or you haven't done X, Y, Z, or you don't use 10 million tools. Like that means you're a laggard in the whole AI game. And I think it's a lot of it is just this echo chamber of people that live and breathe technology. Um, And it's really interesting to get your perspective being outside of that. I mean, even in general, just take a way big step back, uh, Sarah and I were joking that sort of the way we met was through just like the internet, right? Like folks that publish on social that have something interesting to say. And over a period of time, you're like, that seems like a cool person. I want to connect and I want to talk. And that sort of um, has been uh, mine and Sarah's journey. You know, you've worked for companies with really, really strong employer brands, Drift, Alice. I'd say both of those are brands where... um, like those brands are well known within the marketing tech space and just the tech space in general for having a really strong social media presence. What what went into that? And how were you able to work at kind of two of those big employer brand known companies in a row? I fell into drift. That was like luck. That was, I can't give any advice on that. Like that was <laughs> right place, right time, right time in my career as well. I started at Drift as my first job right out of college and I everything like fell into place for that interview in a way that like you I wouldn't ever be able to replicate. Like I happen to be okay with starting at like the entryest of entry level positions at that company. I happen to be reading a book that was like big in tech at the time I was reading Shoe Dog. Um, and like Drift's whole sort of ethos was like business books and, you know, taking inspiration from a lot of these business leaders. Um, And I happened to just like have the personality type that played well in early Drift, which was like highly type A, extrinsically motivated, and just like willing to learn on the job. Uh, And that's how I fell into Drift. their employer branding strategy was like mostly Dave Gerhardt, but being able to like see how the wheels turned uh, and understand that like this was a, at the time, even in 2017, was a pretty saturated space. Uh, feature parity is like table stakes. And so what really sets a brand apart is how it's perceived in the market. And I think Alice took a very similar approach uh, and their approach to employer branding wasn't necessarily like were the best, but they had a team highly focused on customer experience. And so not only would you always hear about Alice, but then customers had really great things to say as well. Mm. And so we weren't always like the loudest. We weren't always the ones with the flashiest features, but we were the ones who were going to put our money where our mouth was and like make our customers incredibly happy. So I think that uh, was the differentiators that we chose uh, that was chosen at both of those companies outside of, oh, we're going to have the the coolest features and the most built out functionality. It's like, no, people are going to recognize us and know us because we're putting our stake in the ground about this mm-hmm. one specific part of our company. And we're going to kind of build our brand around it. You get to a certain level and size of a business where it's harder to like build a company around one specific focus area, but in the kind of linchpin moments of the company's growth, that's where 
directed Alex, Alice really shined was like, yeah. we have one key focus and we're just going to double down on it. Yeah, absolutely. The reason I even ask about that is because I think, you know, as we've been navigating like this year and a half of AI within the enterprise and enterprises figuring out like, how are we going to use AI on marketing teams to do things like um, employer branding, to do things like executive comms, to build out campaigns that still very much feel on brand? Um, the biggest thing we hear is like, we're nervous about AI content. It feels generic to us. It doesn't sound like us. And those two brands come to mind because so much of what you said in terms of like that brand value was just how the brand was perceived versus like always going back to comparing features or um, this and that when you go really deep into the product. How have you, how are you seeing the marketing community receive AI um, specifically like those folks from companies where a large part of their business strategy is their brand? I think people who aren't familiar with AI hear AI and they're like, no, like I'm okay. Like I'm all yeah. set um, because it's like a positioning problem. <laughs> it's like, look at this cool flashy new thing versus here's how much time you could have saved writing that SEO brief. Here's how much time you could have saved editing that uh, internal comms posting in your brand voice. Here's how much time you could have saved doing X, Y, and Z uh, versus new technology, very exciting, like flashy, uh, hop on this bandwagon before it's too late type of messaging that a lot of companies sometimes default to. And maybe that's like an open AI issue and not, you know, like a whole AI landscape issue. But I think it's I think it's a positioning problem and that's why people yeah. are slightly hesitant uh, because they're like, oh, AI can never replace humans. And that's like kind of the start and end of the conversation versus if we're thinking about efficiency, which everyone is because everyone's cutting budgets and everyone's trying to make the most of what they have. Uh, this is like a tool in your marketing toolkit. It's not replacing your marketing team. It's yeah. not replacing your customer experience team. It's supposed to help humans be able to do things that are tedious, faster. I didn't even make her say that for anyone. <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I said that in the past and that's Jasper's stance, but I never told her that. <laughs> we, she did not tell me to say that, I promise. <laughs> this episode is sponsored by Sarah Payan. <laughs> Sarahpayan.ai. <laughs> I was really excited um, to talk to, honestly, both of you, Krista and Sarah. Maybe I could honestly interview both of you on like the topic of SEO. Because um, I know every marketer is thinking about that. And the two of you are in incredible experts in the space. Before I get to that, I just wanted to ask you one question. Honestly, this is both for Sarah and Krista. But Sarah, you have kind of built a social media presence around um, really speaking to folks in marketing and outside that are earlier in their career and like really sharing your experiences, giving perspective. I wouldn't even necessarily say advice, but um, just sharing like another way to look at things. Speaking to that audience right now, like, is there an opportunity in AI to have this be a differentiating skill set? How should folks earlier in their career be, be looking at AI as a skill that can enhance them and potentially help them like get around some of those loopholes that um, you talk about on social media often? I think it's an area of education. I think where younger folks have the upper hand in a lot of job interview conversations or conversations with leadership is their proximity to like net new technology. And they're able to understand it a lot faster because 
just younger generations have grown up with a lot more technology and understand like, hey, this is like the best way to use it and maybe not the best way to use it. And taking on that more consultative approach and having the uh, confidence to be Mm -hmm. like, I know actually about this. Like, I might be young, but I have the same level of experience in this thing as you do, leader, because it happened at the same like Mm -hmm. inflection point in our career. Like, I understand how people who are entering the workforce are going to be using something like this and where we can use it to our advantage and like leverage our internal skills uh, to be able to spend more time doing the things that require more thinking and less time doing the things that require more execution. And like, here is my suggestion on the best way for our company to go about it versus someone saying like, we're going to use AI. Are you so, are you so impressed uh, with me (laughs) saying that? Uh, Because I think a lot of execs, like they're just a little bit far away from this and it is flashy and it is exciting, but it's another one of those marketing channels that sounds really cool when you see it in a LinkedIn post and then no one ever elaborates <laughs> like yeah on exactly what should be done with it. And so young folks in the beginning of their career can use this as an opportunity to take on a more strategic advisement uh, sort of role within their companies to say, hey, I've played around with this in my free time because it's actually interesting to me. And here's where I think it can be most useful within our organization. And like, step up versus having to deal with a not totally baked out strategy on using AI ambiguously within the organization. (laughs) I love that. That feels super actionable. And I think you're totally right. Like there is kind of feels like a level playing field uh, before with generative AI. Yeah. I I love the point that you made about how like everybody's kind of coming into this at the same time. So yeah, it's like, hi, exec, like I know just as much about this as you do. And I probably have more bandwidth and time to like actually run with this. So let me do it. Yeah, I like that a lot. I um, I want to dig into your SEO brain a little bit um, because I'm super curious to hear um, how you've pivoted your way of thinking about it with this new audience. Um, but something, my first question, something that you said earlier um, how with this new audience, it's like you kind of really get to kind of start from scratch and just focus on educating this audience and creating this like super helpful content that hasn't really existed before. Um, what I'm curious about is how much of that do you think has contributed to like the success that you've seen in SEO at your new company? Because that is that is what everybody should be doing now. Like it's all about that now versus like you're not coming into an industry where there's a ton of SEO content that's been optimized to death. So I'm just curious, like what has that been like? Has that been really fun to be able to like come in and really own that space? It's been really fun. It's also really fun to look at SEM rush and just like everything is up into the right. Yeah. Because, like, <laughs> yeah. That's just nice. Again, extrinsically <laughs> motivated. Like I like to see those things. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but it's also been really interesting because that like new technology has been coming out, but you know, AI hasn't been necessary. AI hasn't gone to dental school. So because we want to focus first and foremost, our content on clinical topics related to our lab products. Uh, so we like fabricate crowns and bridges and dentures and all that, but the way that we do it is digital and different and differentiated. But first we have to, reinforce our knowledge on like the traditional way of doing things and then mm-hmm. sort of promote the 
the new, improved, more efficient, cheaper way of doing things for us and for um, practices. And I think that's what's been fun about this new industry is similar to what we did at Drift Almost, where no one said conversational marketing until we repeated ourselves over and over and over and over and over and over again for like literally years. Yeah. It's, it's kind of the opportunity to do something like that that's already happened so many so many times in marketing technology, but not has never happened in this industry. Um, and so like, how can we insert our own language into SEO optimized pieces where we know people are going to read this and then they're going to start using our language, but we have to balance those two aspects in the piece uh, and not make it sound too marketing-y and not make it sound right. too salesy uh, and make sure that it is actual helpful content reviewed by an expert. Like it really forces us to like adhere to the EEAT guidelines. Yeah. Like that I don't I don't know about how to prep a mouth for a crown <laughs> and like the margins and the millimeters and the whatever. Yeah. So like we literally have to have experts review our content, which also means that when we want to introduce a tool like AI that will help us be more efficient on the MarTech side, I attended an event like a month ago where someone was like, yeah, AI helped us produce like a hundred pieces of content a month. And I was like, we're like jumping up and down in our seats because we did eight. Yeah. <laughs> and we were like pumped about eight. So it's it's definitely different, but we couldn't get to that level without the efficiency of briefing with a tool like AI. But we can't in, we can't have it write our pieces for us, but it can help yeah. organize yeah. our pieces. So That's, it's been really fun. Uh, yeah, yeah, but like a lot of work too. No, totally. Yeah, because I feel like that's a space where like, yeah, you can't just crank out a bunch of content um, about you know, actual dental practices and all this super professional stuff about people's health, right? Because it's like, Google will ding you, you know, like, they're not gonna like, <laughs> like, hey, yeah, they're gonna, like, hey, maybe this is like about people's health. So be a little more careful. And with AI, one of the most important pieces introducing that tool, we've talked about it a ton, like this isn't net new information, but it's like never removing that editorial eye, never removing someone that can fact check and ensure it's on brand and all of that stuff. How did you guys even approach it when AI came into your playing field? Like not being in the echo chamber, not necessarily like moving out of fear, but like per perhaps having an opportunity to move out of like, hey, this could actually be an advantageous tool. Like let's figure out how to use it um, to our advantage. Like did you guys have like an AI council or put specific standards into place? Like how do you even navigate incorporating AI? Not really. Um, yeah. Dentists don't really know about privacy laws. So like up until like six months ago, we didn't have cookie consent on our website. We have it now. <laughs> We're good. Uh, but, but the just like perception of like cookies and AI, like all of that in like speaking to our audience, we would have to position differently than just saying AI powered, for example. So uh, we partner with another brand that like has a, instead of getting putty put in your mouth to get impressions, they have like a 3D scanner. It looks like a, an electric toothbrush. So it's like way more uh, comfortable for the patient and like way more accurate because like if your tongue moves and the putty's in your mouth, like that shot, you have to do it again. Um, they use AI to sort of like fill in the gaps of uh, like 3D model of your mouth if a dentist like scans too fast, for example. Uh, but they don't say that it's AI. 
they say, speed scan. It's a lot faster to do this and we'll fill in the gaps for you. And it's a lot more accurate. Don't ask us any more questions. <laughs> you don't need to know. Uh, because speed is what's most important to the dentist. So in that way, uh, the industry is leveraging AI, uh, but it's wrapped differently so that it doesn't scare people off. Like we are working traditionally with like the laggards of the market that everyone talks about. Um, and so we don't want to scare them off either. Uh, and so the way that we've incorporated AI into our workflows as marketers is totally different than how we approach the changing technological landscape for our customers. But internally, uh, you know, we helped it we helped or we used AI to help develop like the way that we brief. We didn't have an SEO motion before this team was hired. So we didn't have like a standard process for briefing. What's important to have? What's not important to have? How do we want to structure it? What's important for our writers to know? Like how, how can we create a deliverable that gives us the deliverable back that we were anticipating as well? Um, we, for full transparency, haven't invested in a paid AI tool. Uh, we've been using, you know, the free out there sort of tools to help, uh, mostly because we're focusing on that foundation right now. A lot of our customers aren't necessarily on LinkedIn. Um, we have to be cognizant of patients looking for crowns and dentures and we can't sell to them. So we mm -hmm. have to be a little bit more mindful on how efficiently we can pump out content while also still like speaking to our target audience. But like internally, uh, we use it to help with, you know, even just running through running a freelancer's work through like an AI checker to make sure that they're not using AI mm, um, yeah. or have added their own spin to it also to make sure that it's not just like copy yeah. and paste. Um, but it's definitely not like front and center in our strategies. It's more so like a tool that individuals will use to be more efficient in their day to day. Yeah. That makes total sense. Wait, I'm so curious to know. I was at a dinner a couple um, months ago, and I really hope I haven't said this on the podcast before, but a woman next to me was saying um, it was a, a, a Gen AI roadshow dinner. There was a bunch of folks in there all talking about generative AI and how they're using it, a bunch of marketing folks specifically from all different industries. And kind of three quarters through the dinner after listening to the content and having all the conversations, she's like, wait. I'm about to sign a $10,000 retainer with a content agency. I haven't asked them if they're going to use AI or not. Like, what should my stance be? I, I need to sign the contract tomorrow. Like, should I be against it? Should I be for it? Like, should I have totally. them be transparent about it? Like, she had no idea on, like, what that, like, decision-making framework looked like or what her boundaries and criteria were. And it started this really interesting conversation, like, throughout Jasper and just with marketing peers in general on, like, what's our stance around like our comfortability with agencies, with freelancers using um, AI and, and sort of my take or what I came up with was around, um, you know, just being really, really transparent about it. But it sounds like with you, like, I'm curious, like, what, what do you communicate to your freelancers and um, agencies? Like, it sounds like you're running it through um, AI detection software. Like, is that working for you? Like what, 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 you, what's your takeaway from that whole process? We did work with it. So our business is hard to understand, but I like totally understand that because especially from the SEO side, 
all of the high MSV terms that feel like low hanging fruit are all patient facing. Like it's only patients. And like we can't write about that. So we have to, because we don't want them coming to our site. We literally can't help them. And a lot of the times when patients are searching for dental care, there's like a level of like urgency and they really want something right now. And there's like a hole in their mouth and they want to get it fixed. And I'm like, totally empathize. We talk to your dentist. Like we cannot, (laughs) we personally cannot help you. So like that's tricky from an SEO side. So we've, worked with a few different agencies. And the first one that uh, we used definitely incorporated AI in the like pieces that they gave back to us. And we noticed in like a bad way um, Mm. where we were like, this grammatically doesn't make sense. Um, And it seems like they were hoping that AI could do like the bulk of the work and they could edit. Uh, And I think it's the other way around. Uh, where like AI could help them once you have like a topic, outline it, but you have to fill in the gaps, especially when it is more on the clinical side. Totally. Um, like phrase it like, and this is just stuff that I would never know if I don't work at Dandy either. Like it's kind of like learning a language where you just like, it doesn't, a verb feels irregular. Like it just feels like you would conjugate it differently. Like that's the suss out vibes that you kind of have to do yeah. in this industry of like that feels patient facing. And I like they mm. only know that because I've been living and breathing this thing for like a year and a half. Um, and so that was like a conversation we had to have where we were like, hey, you need to let us know if you're going to use AI. Uh, and then we would prefer there to be like just visibility into your process here. Yeah. Um, because like yeah. obviously don't do tedious work. Uh, and like obviously use the resources that you have but we there's like a level of quality that is also expected when you work with an outside agency and when you work with internal employees as well on the freelancer side we work with like ex-dentists and like ex-dental assistants Mm. who like have the clinical background and we have to like coach them on the editorial like how to write side (laughs) right um so it's a little bit different but we they still know of AI and we still run their their content through the checkers, uh, but we feel a little bit like there's a, a longer leash on the freelancer side, whereas we felt like our trust was broken with that SEO agency um, yeah. because it like was so obviously not up to prior standards uh, with no explanation. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's where the distinction is, is it's like, hey, just a heads up, like we are going to be testing these tools. Like mm-hmm. let's go over how you can be comfortable with that or like how to make you comfortable with that. Um, yeah. And yeah. if they like know more about AI and how to use it better than we do, like tell me, educate me. I'm a marketer. I love that stuff. Yeah. Uh, I'm, sure. I'm so excited. I can implement that on my own too. And you just taught me something and we got our money's worth uh, versus like keeping it tighter to the chest and saying that this was like 100% human produced, which then is like, yeah. Then now I'm worried about the quality of the people that you hire. <laughs> this is 100% oh, yeah. human work. Uh, and then that just, you know, it spirals. I think it all marketing all the time, just be transparent. Like people are going to find out and then they're going to be mad. Er. Yeah. Then if you just like upfront was like, hey, we use AI to help with briefing and like outlines, but then we fill in the gaps and do our research. Yeah, because we need to have the sources to to cite anyway at the end, um, and you know AI doesn't cite its sources, so like it makes sense that you would do it that way, and I'd be like, great, perfect, love it, yeah, makes total yeah. sense. 
Briefing is a pain. I get it. (laughs) I love that anecdote. And it's a similar conclusion that we um, came to with the person I was talking about at this dinner where we kind of workshopped with her, like, what would you want out of this agency? Like, what would make you really trust them? And it just came down to that word transparency. Like, I just want to know how it's used. I don't even want someone to never use AI technology because why would I be working for an agency that's not using the most up-to-date, top-of-the-market tools to create the best content? Um, So I think that's a really, really fair, like, conclusion to come to. And I think um, the piece that you said that resonated with me the most was that it eroded trust. Like this feels exactly like someone sneaking something into a monthly invoice thinking you're not going to notice. And you saying right. like, wait, wait, what was that? Like, what what happened there? Like that mm-hmm. that's the same equivalency, right? Like, I don't even think it's an AI problem. It's a trust problem. It's a how you lead problem. And this is where like the fear of AI and the industry being overwhelming starts to get in people's head on like, should I just skip over those pieces that like make me a really trusted partner? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's what's going to separate agencies that do really well with AI from agencies that don't is it's not exactly the AI. It's like how they lead with it, what their methodology yeah. is, how transparent they're going to be about it. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Because if you position it like, we, hey, we use AI and this is how we do it. And these are the tools that we use. And we use like a suite of the AI tools because we want to know if one is better than the other. I'd be like, sweet like subscriptions you're paying for like great you let me know and like that sounds that sounds great and like even like site which ai tools things came from like i'm interested like as marketers we have an inherent sense of curiosity about net about net new technology i find uh where like you can use it and you and like be proud of it but yeah be transparent about it and like go deeper than you think actually especially from like a marketing SEO agency perspective, sometimes they just, they're like, yeah, our, our keyword tool is like proprietary. And I'm like, okay, but how is this, how is it different from like SEMrush or Ahrefs? Right. Yeah. 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 Is it? (laughs) Yeah. Like this, there's so many equivalencies across marketing. One that I'm thinking of right now is I know I'm in a little bit of a different world than SEO, but just with PR agencies, sometimes they'll keep things so close to their chest and they don't want to tell you any inbound that they got from reporters. They don't want to tell you what relationships they're building. And you're like, wait a second here. Like, those are my relationships. Like, this is our company and our brand that that we're using you to leverage, you know? Um, So I think, yeah, there's just like a way to move with agencies and it has less to do with the technology you're using and more about like the trust that you're um, leading with. So that makes sense. Um, Okay, a little bit of a tangent there. But I (laughs) I do want to bring it back to the both of you and maybe we can more so do this as kind of like a quick fire round around like AI, SEO, and like what's coming out and what you guys are thinking about it. Um, I have been seeing this all over. I've been seeing a ton of different takes. I know it's like the hottest topic in AI right now. Um, But what are your thoughts around um, Google Bard and um, snagging a spot on, um, on, on like results using chat functionality and using um, generative AI to come up with um, those responses? Like, how are you guys rethinking about that, whether it's um, your current companies or just in general? Amanda Natividad, I think I'm pronouncing her last name right, had a really interesting article on SparkToro about no-click content or zero-click content. Uh, because that's what social media platforms optimize for. That's what Google is optimizing for. That's what like Bard itself is really optimizing for is like housing all of the answers on Google's like cert page and not having to click and go to 
another page on the internet. And I think it just, it comes back to the fundamentals of marketing of you have to help before you convert. You have to educate before you convert. Like chances are, if you earn a featured snippet also, and people are interested in that actual topic, they're going to click into that article and read the whole thing because they're not just interested in answering that one question. They're in like, they're interested in like the whole story behind it. So optimizing your content for Bard in my mind is just making sure that you're answering questions that your customers have and then creating high quality content that tells the whole story. Like that's what SEO was before. It was like gamified and growth hackers like wanted to have their their whole like time with it. And like I've had growth in my title and it's just like some people just ruin things for the rest of yes. us. <laughs> and it's like what makes an actual good SEO is someone who's like aware of these things that are happening in Google's algorithm changes and new things that are coming out. But like an educate a buyer who is interested and wants to be educated doesn't want to read one line. Like they want to read the whole thing right. and they're not going to get the whole story if they just read the featured snippet or they just read what Bard has to say. They want to click and see like what's next. How does this integrate with the rest of my systems? And so like trying to gamify it is just going to get you either like a lot of traffic that has nothing to do with your company or like yep. content that doesn't help. Uh, yeah. And then you're going to be up what's up a river without it. I don't know. You're going to be in a bad <laughs> spot. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the whole all of like technology that's coming out, especially around Google, just like reinforces the idea that you have to actually be good at the fundamentals and like mm-hmm. remember that it's not like an attribution or a metrics game. It's like an education thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's such a good point because um I feel like for me I'm thinking a lot more now with my content marketing brain versus like strictly SEO brain because totally. now it's like okay, cool, like our traffic just might drop because of all the changes and like all the different positioning of everything now. So now it's about are we getting the right traffic, the right topics? And then are we educating enough that they want to like continue down the content funnel? And am I setting up the content funnel right? Like, am I working with the right people to like lead them to the right places once they hit a blog? Um, So I feel like that is like where my mind is at right now, because yes, it's great to grow your traffic, but like in this new world, I don't think any of us really know yet what the future of that will look like. And like, what click-through rates will even look like a month, six months, a year from now. Um, So yeah, it's like, I definitely have felt myself putting on my just general content marketing hat way more. I love that differentiation because it is so different. It's like it is two two sides of the same coin. But then when you also think about Google perspectives, keeping that content marketer hat on, how can you repurpose the content that's performing well in different mediums, like, and not reinventing the wheel, but thinking about new ways that you can say the same thing for different types of learners, students of your topic, uh, where like an article could perform really well, that could be an image, that could be a short form video, and that can be a standalone article. Like, and then you're, you're everywhere and you've, said the same thing three different times for three different types of people who are looking yeah. for information. Uh, and you're still, you're still helping. And that's you're still cool. helping. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so when people are like, why aren't you producing a hundred pieces of net new pieces of content a month? Because AI so like can help you do this. It instead is like, we're doubling down on what works 
and then making sure that everyone can find it. And that will make sure that your traffic doesn't totally tank, but also takes a lot less pressure off of producing for the sake of producing. Totally. No, that makes total sense. Yeah. And it's like, it's a weird world because it's not super comfortable. Like I don't use TikTok. Like I don't make YouTube shorts. So now, yeah, it's just this very interesting. (laughs) I'm too old. I'm too old. Um, (laughs) But no, yeah, it's just this super interesting thing now where it's like, okay, my entire industry is changing and now I have to get out of my comfort zone and really like reimagine what this looks like. Um, So it's a little scary, but I don't know. It's kind of fun. I think people who do SEO and content are just naturally curious, I think. And so I think, I don't know, I think we are having fun with it, or at least I I try to have fun with it. We're like naturally pessimistic and we all freak out when anything (laughs) new happens. We're like, no, like say it ain't so. There's a little bit of that as well. Yes. That's wild. No, I think I always come back to like the amount of topics that the three of us like went over today all within marketing and all that AI is making these huge impacts on. Like, I think there's a lot of fear mongering within marketers around like your jobs are going away, like jobs are going away, but especially yours as marketers are like the first to leave. Um, And like building defenses around that again, it like really comes from a place of fear. And I feel like my reframe around that is that marketing SEO uh, content is one of the most innovative parts of an organization. It's the most curious part. It's the part that has to deal with an algorithm changing every couple months and restructuring strategy related to that. And so I think naturally, like new technology is going to land where there's the most innovation. So I think there's the most opportunity to figure out how to get ahead of that curve and really be AI experts. So that is my toxic positivity for the day. (laughs) It's appreciated. Um, It's appreciated. But I do believe it. Um, Well, thank you so much, Sarah, for joining us on this episode. Like it honestly, this hour flew by. Where can everyone find you if they want to get in touch with you, look at your content, all that good stuff? Sure. Um, I'm on LinkedIn, Sarah Pion. I don't have an H at the end of my name for Sarah. So if you're looking for Sarah Pion with an H, that is not me. Um, I'm sometimes on Twitter, but it's a little sad there now. Um, And I have, I think, I don't know if people ever talk about this, but the juice is like a content distribution, sort of like Hmm. the Spotify for marketers. I have like just a a bunch of content on there. Um, So, and I like the guys over there. So they're cool. Uh, I don't talk as much about marketing anymore. I've been focused very heavily on dentists. But you can always go to meetdandy.com to learn more about that if you want. Uh, I love it. I love it. I love that. Thank you so much for joining us, Sarah. Thanks for having me. Thanks everyone for listening to the prompt.